0: or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning. Saw Doug flexing last week, so I thought he'd get in a few reps before, you know, service begins. I tried to talk Doug into doing that. He said that wasn't in his wheelhouse, so he just decided to go with the old Hans and Franz pump you up uh, last week, so that was pretty good. So I just want to welcome you here this morning. I uh, hope that you have had a week where God has shown you his faithfulness and his blessing uh, to you. And uh, if you have joined us online, thank you for joining us. And I trust that you will be uh, blessed and encouraged by uh, this morning's service. Did any of you guys take the time to read through the book of Ephesians last week? Doug put that challenge out to us. I made it to chapter 3, so I haven't completed the, that challenge yet, but I'm going to be trying to read through Ephesians a couple times over these next few weeks as we, as we study this book together. So I would encourage you uh, to, to jump on that. It's really nice to see how the book flows together and so how we can, you know, we just see as this series progresses along how we see uh, what we as the just are supposed to, to be doing. So let's pray this morning. And then we'll get right into the word of God. Dear God, I just want to thank you for this morning. Uh, I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to, to share your word. Uh, Lord, I just want to thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, your faithfulness. God, I just want to thank you for the good news of the gospel, Lord, and that we get to rejoice in it, in what you've accomplished in and through us, dear God. So I just want to thank you in your name. Amen. So last week, Doug introduced our series, The Just Do It. And uh, our goal in this series is to get back to the basics, really, like just be reminded of who we are in Christ and our responsibilities on that real basic level of just how walking with Christ looks uh, as believers in Jesus Christ. And he also kicked off for us uh, the the theme verse for the year, which is this in James 1.22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. As believers, we have been called to an amazing life. We've been called to an amazing opportunity to to serve the one true God. And so many times we can get into this habit of, of, of learning about Him, but, but we want to not just learn about Him, we want to put into practice. As I, as I look around at this stage, I was kind of looking at these, these weights and this training equipment, and I just want to thank Joan and Bob for, for bringing this all together, but, but the um, The cynical side of me says that somebody went and bought all of this equipment so that they could get in better shape. And now it's sitting here on stage. So whoever bought it obviously isn't getting the use out of the equipment and they're not using it the way that it was intended. And I think, guys, so many times in our Christian life, we can kind of get into that routine. We can have good intentions. We can have lots of information. And, and we have tons of equipment at our disposal to live the lives that we are supposed to live. But yet we can, we can let it sit by the wayside. We can, we can choose not to, to take advantage of everything that God has provided for us. And so over the course of this year, that's our goal is as believers in Jesus Christ to remind each other That, hey, we're not just supposed to be taking in, that we're supposed to be giving out, that we're supposed to be serving other people and serving God so that we can grow in our faith and so that other people can be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Doug, last week in his his message, I thought he kicked off this, this study really well. And just want to hit a couple of those highlights because as we think of those highlights, it's going to help us transition from chapter one to chapter two. We see in chapter 1, verse 3, just a quick reminder that that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Verse 5 reminds us of the fact that we're adopted into God's family. Verse 7 tells us that we have been redeemed and we've been forgiven because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. Verse 11 and 13 remind us that we have an amazing inheritance and we're guaranteed that inheritance because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. And then verses 15 to 23, it's, it's a record of Paul's prayer for the believers. And it's an amazing prayer. If you just take that time even to read through it this week, take a look at that prayer. It prays that God, He prays that God would give the believers wisdom, that they would know the hope at which they were called, they would understand the riches of the inheritance that God has for us, and they would understand the greatness of God's power that is available to all who believe. If you're thinking about your devotions this week, take the time to read through that prayer and just pray it for yourself. Pray that God gives you that understanding of who you are and what he wants you to do. Parents of of kids, you know, pray that prayer for them. Even if your kids are adult children, pray that for them. You want your children to grow in the knowledge of God, here's a good outline of things to to pray for. And being a Christian, guys, as we look through chapter 1, we see that it's absolutely amazing. Being welcomed into the family of God and all the things at our disposal. And there is a danger, there there is maybe a a human side of us that when we look at all that God has done in us, there may be that danger in thinking, look at what I have become, look at who I am. I've been reading uh, lately um, a a small book, it's called Paved with Good Intentions, it's by C.S. Lewis. And it's actually a supplementary book to his, um, his book, The Screwtape Letters. And in The screw tape letters, uh, Screwtape Letters, is, Screwtape is a demon and he's mentoring his, his nephew who's, who's sort of moving up the ranks in, in the demons. And what Lewis is trying to do in this, in this book is to, to show us how the spiritual warfare kind of plays out. He's writing a fictional book to, just to help us understand you know, how you know, Satan tries to derail us and tries to, to mess up our testimonies. And one of the chapters in that book is called Nuancing Spiritual Pride. And here, Screwtape writes this to his his young nephew. He, the believer, must be made to feel, and he better not put it into words, how different we Christians are. And by we Christians, he must really but unknowingly mean my set. And by my set, he must not mean the people who, in their charity and humility, have accepted me, but the people with whom I associate by right. Instructions continue on saying, what you want is to keep a sly self-congratulating mix, mixing with all his thoughts and never allow him to raise the question, what precisely am I congratulating myself about? The idea of belonging to an inner ring, of being in a secret is very sweet to him. Play on that nerve. Teach him to adopt an air of amusement at the things unbelievers say. And so as believers, there is, there is a, a tendency as human beings, there's a tendency always to deal with pride, to deal with the thought that as a believer, I have, I have somehow elevated above, above other people. And if I'm a Baptist, well, I'm elevated above another group of people or, or whatever, that we have this tendency to, to kind of think of ourselves more than we ought to. And then we can also have that tendency to, to look at people who don't believe in Jesus Christ and, and look at them with a, a sort of disapproval and say, oh, look how they act. Be amused with, you know, how, struggle, how much they struggle. We have to be really careful not to do that because as we see all of these amazing blessings in chapter 1... Paul, uh, in chapter two, he he, kind of zoomed in on our Christian life and and the blessings of that. Chapter two, he kind of zooms back out just a little bit, and he allows us, he reminds us of who we are, what Christ has done in us, and what we are to do. And so that's what we're going to cover this morning. And, and today, with our, with our Just Do It theme and with the NFL season kicking off last week, I got thinking about different stadium songs, different songs that they play you know, during, during games just that, that are familiar to, to many people. And so to help our, each, with, our, with each point, I'm going to use a, a song title. And again, we're just looking at the title, not the content of the song. Please don't email me later about what a terrible song it is or whatever. Like we're just talking about the titles, all right? Just, just so we know, that we, just to help us remember uh, what, what we're, be, we're being taught today. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, it says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. And so for, for, for point number one and song number one, uh, we're going with Garth Brooks, I've Got Friends in Low Places. Okay? I've Got Friends in Low Places, because as Paul zooms back the camera, he reminds us that each and every one of us start on equal footing. Everybody who's born into this world starts on the same level. And he tells us this in Ephesians 2.1, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So we have to understand, guys, that each and every one of us, whether we're, we're here and we don't know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, each and every one of us started out in life and unless something changes, continue on in life in the same condition. We are separated from God. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are incapable on our own of having a relationship with God. We can't work our way into God's grace. We can't work our way into God's family. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they chose on behalf of the entire human race, the first two human beings to reject God, to, to, to disobey God, to reject the life that God offered and to choose instead death. They didn't realize that they were choosing death at the time. Well, they didn't understand. God had warned them, but, but they just chose not to listen to God. They chose to ignore his warning. As Satan came along and, and tempted them in the Garden of Eden, he promised them life. He promised them independence. He said, you will be like God. And they said, you know what? This God who has created this beautiful world, this God who has placed us in the Garden, who has given us this beautiful and perfect place to be, we don't want to serve him. We want to serve ourselves. And that was the line of thinking they took and they, they chose to disobey God and in doing that, they separated themselves from God and every single one of us born into this world since then are tainted by the same sin. We are tainted by sin and we are separated from God. Paul takes it a little further in verses two to three describes it a little further. In which you once walked... Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. See, what happens here in our lives as we're born into this world, we are going along with the crowd. We are going along just like everybody else, thinking that we are independent, thinking that we are able to make our own choices, thinking that we are the ones who navigate through life, not realizing that there is, a, there is one true God, who is His way is the only way to navigate life. His way is the only way to have true peace and true fulfillment and true satisfaction. But the crowd, we're just going along, we don't understand that, but the Bible tells us Satan has blinded our minds so that we don't understand the gospel. So we have to understand that our lives are just tainted by sin. Trialing along, and one of the things that it says here, it says, um, who we once lived in the passions of our flesh. And really what, what Paul's communicating there is, we choose to do what we feel is best in each circumstance. Again, not understanding that there is God's truth, and that is the only solution for each and every circumstance. The teaching here, if you want the theological phrase, is, is total depravity. Total depravity, our total inability to restore our relationship with God. Everything we do being tainted by sin. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody in this world is going to act out evil in the most extreme way possible. No, we, we don't see that. J.I. J. I. Packer says this, it declares that no part of us is untouched by sin, and therefore no action of ours is as good as it should be. And subsequently, nothing in us or about us ever appears meritorious in God's eyes. Where does that leave us? It leaves us, as Paul describes, as children of wrath, under God's wrath, separated from him. And that's an equal playing field. Everybody born into this world is born in that state. And unless something changes, we're going to continue in that state for for all of eternity under the wrath of God, separated from him. And I'm so grateful that the story of the Bible doesn't end there. I'm so grateful that Paul doesn't get there and just say, well, too bad for you. You're in a rough spot. Hope you navigate life as best you can. It's not the story of Ephesians. It's not the story of the Bible. And we see uh, this in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 9. It continues on. So in song number 1. Friends in Low Places reminds us of our condition that we are equal with everybody else born into this world, separated by God, or separated from God because of our sin. I'll read you passage number two, and I'll tell you that the song's by the Rolling Stones, and I'll see if anybody can figure out which one it might be. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one could boast. Can anybody figure out what song by the Rolling Stones might fit here? Come on, somebody listens to the Rolling Stones. Start me up, all right? Start me up by the Rolling Stones, all right? That's the song that we need here is the fact that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are incapable of restoring life with Jesus Christ, with God. But because of God's love for us and his mercy for us, he has given us the ability to be raised in life. He is the one who gives us life. We need him, literally, to to start us up. Why did God intervene for us? Why did he intervene? Why would would God take a group of people who have rejected him and go to such extent of sending his son to die on the cross, to take the penalty for our sins, and to raise them up to new life? Why would he do that? Well, Paul tells us very much, it says, but God, in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. One of the reasons is it's just part of God's nature and character to be merciful. To see people in need and respond to that need is part of the character of God. And it talks about that he is rich in mercy. And I was thinking about that, like, how do we, how do we illustrate this richness of mercy? And, and one of the things that, that I got thinking about this week is, is uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he used to play in the NBA, and now he's part of the TNT broadcast team, one of the best uh, commentator teams in, in sport. But Shaq is also known to be a very generous person. In fact, Shaq has a policy, if he goes out shopping, somebody else gets something while he's shopping. He'll buy for, for somebody else if he's out shopping. And on a few different occasions, he's done some pretty, pretty amazing things. Um, on the first date, he was, on, he was out on a date, sorry, I don't know if it was a first date or not. And so he, play, he paid the bill for everybody in the restaurant. The bill happened to be $25,000, and he left the waitstaff the biggest tip that they had ever seen. I mean, you want to talk about a flex? Oh, no, I got that, and I got everybody else. Like, he's trying to impress this girl hard, all right? But he paid $25,000 for that, just, just generosity, okay? The second one that, that I read about was, um, he was he was in a jewelry store, and he was, he was just looking for jewelry or whatever, and he sees a young man there who was looking for engagement rings. And this guy found a ring that he liked, but he couldn't afford it, so Shaq just bought the ring for him so that he could have this engagement ring for his, for his girlfriend. And the last example was um, Shaq was in a furniture store one day and he sees a lady and she's looking at a couch and he's like, you know, I'll, I'll pay for that couch. And she's, oh, thanks. She said, I just had a fire at my house and everything was, it was ruined and I, I just need to buy some new stuff. And Shaq's like, you had a fire at your house? Well, what else do you need? And he ended up spending $30,000 uh, for this lady to, to refurnish her home. And you think that's, that's pretty merciful. That's seeing a need, responding to the need. It's not just pity, it's mercy. It's responding to that need. And as you think about Shaq, he has a $200 million uh, net worth, and so that allows him to be extremely generous in, in these big ways, ways that, that we could never afford to be. as got thinking about Paul, as he says that God is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy. You know, $200 million is nothing to God as far as the, the, the mercy scale goes. He looks, he sees people in need, and he just responds because it's just rich within him. It's it's really an unending source within him. And it just flows from his nature. I see people in need, I'm going to respond to that. And again, before he even created us, he knew it was going to happen, choosing to be merciful beforehand. Second thing that Paul reminds us of is not only that he's rich in mercy, but, but he has great love for us. And I think, you know, how do we... How do we get the love of God? How do we grasp that love of God? And I remember um, a number of years ago, in fact, uh, December 30th, 2000, I had one of those moments where I'm like, I understand just a little bit more of God's love for me in this moment. And December 30th, we were, man and I were in the hospital. Uh, she was in labor for our firstborn, uh, who eventually turned out to be Parker. We didn't know who it was at the time. We were just excited to meet him, or, or whatever it was going to be, we didn't know. And so, man is in labor, and then they decide, you know, oh, this baby's got to, she's got to have a C section. So they wheel her out and they say, Bruce, we'll be, we'll be back in, in a minute to get you. Well, doctors don't define minutes very well, all right? A couple of things happened in the in the operating room so they were not able to come get me at all and so uh, you guys probably know by now i have this little tiny attention span and little tiny bit of patience for waiting and uh i'm pacing the floor and me and the cleaning lady we had a real good chat you know you know that the doctors weren't coming back and i hope my wife and baby are okay and all this stuff and poor thing didn't have a degree in counseling but she was a very nice lady <laughs> and so we chatted, we chatted, and, um, uh, and then finally, the doctor comes, and, and she gives me a big hug, and she said that Amanda and the baby were doing well. And so I wasn't allowed to see Amanda for a little bit, but somebody, I don't even know who, uh, brought this little bundle all wrapped up, red-headed, we're trying to figure out what happened there, um, you know, red-headed bundle, and, and put him in my arms. And I just, I just sat there in this rocking chair, and and one of the first things that came to my mind was for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And I'm holding this little guy and I'm thinking, there ain't no way that I would sacrifice him for somebody else. You know, and as both my boys have grown over, man, I, I try to be a nice person, I try to help people out, but I can't imagine sacrificing the life of either of my boys so somebody else could live. And yet God, in his great love, saw the need, out of his mercy reacted, out of his love responded and sent his one and only son to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be brought from death to life. And the last thing that we want to see here is the fact that, that, that God is, is gracious as well, that it's in his grace. We'll cover that in just a second, but a number of different verses I want to think about as we, as we look at this life that he has brought us to. What does it mean to, to be alive in Christ? Ephesians 1, chapter four, it says this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. You think about that transition, dead in trespasses and sins, unable to, to, to merit God's favor, all of, our, all of our actions falling short of his perfect standard. And then through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son and our placing our faith in Him, we go from being dead in sins to being declared holy and blameless before God. That separation that kept us from a good relationship with Him, that kept us from a relationship with Him is gone. And now we have access to Him. We have friendship and relationship with Him. Ephesians 1.5, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, According to the purpose of His will, again, God here looks at us, sees our separation, sees our rebellion against Him. It would be like the the teenager that lived next door to you. I don't villainize teenagers, but like just let's just say there was a teenager that lived next door to you, and he constantly vandalized your home, constantly vandalized your home, and then through some traumatic event, suddenly he was in need of parents and you choosing to adopt this child, this teen, who had done such terrible things to your house and to your home. You're saying welcome into our family. So what God does for us, he, he takes us from being rebellious to being members of his family, welcoming, welcoming us in. Ephesians 1, seven: in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Again, wiping our record clean. And then in Ephesians 1.11, in him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And I think, again, so many times we're, we're convinced and we believe that that inheritance that we get is something future, Yes, there is a, a huge and amazing future element to it, but it's an inheritance now. The riches of his grace are available to us now. Everything that we need to succeed in life and godliness is available to us now. We are called to an amazing inheritance. And then Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the, promise of the, Holy, with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Here's this amazing thing, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, our sins are forgiven and God sends his spirit to live within us. Not just say, okay now guys, go out and do it, but he sends his spirit to live within us, to enable us, to move us along, to push us along. Yesterday, Sean Graham and I went for a, a bike ride out at Mount Joy, and if you've been out to Mount Joy, you know it's a lot of uphill. You know, and there was a couple of times during that ride where both of us said, if you weren't here, I would have quit that climb, right? I would have not finished that climb, but because you're here pushing me along to do that, I was able to finish. The Holy Spirit, guys, comes into our lives, and he is that push. In fact, he is the one who strengthened us to do things. God says, you are dead in your sins. I'm going to make you alive in me, and I'm going to give you my spirit to enable you to do what I've asked you to do. In chapter 2, we pop back there and we see this. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And again, we have to remember here, it's God's gracious gift. We didn't earn it. It's a gift that he gives out of his grace, out of his mercy, his love, and just graciously bestows this on us. Didn't earn it, just received it. And guys, again, it's it's such a blessing that it's just a gift, or not just a gift, that it is a gift. I'm an extremely competitive person, and I can't imagine having to live my life comparing myself to other people to see if I was earning God's favor, to see if I was actually accepted because, oh, somebody went to church more than me this month. Does that mean I'm not as accepted by God? Oh man, I read a few more chapters of the Bible and you, (laughs) you're in trouble. You know, whatever, like you just want, I'm so glad that it's not a competition. I'm so glad that it's not my works that have uh, have earned this for me. It's a gift of God. You imagine being earned, how would we ever confess our sins to one another? We would never want anybody to know. If it was earned, how would we bear one another's burdens? Because we would just constantly hide our burdens because we wouldn't want people to know they were struggling. Why would we pray for other people? Because if it's a competition, we don't want them to succeed because then we'd have to keep up with them. But it's not a competition. It's a gift that we've received. And it's a gift that, that we get to rejoice in. We get to rejoice in the gospel that Christ has accomplished this for me. He has done this on my behalf and I have received this. There's no room for boasting. There's no room for looking down on other people because it's a gift that we have received. We need to look around with this world and and, and see that those people that haven't received the gift need to hear about it. We need to to, to say, okay, I have received this. And we can't sit sit on the couch and just say, well, I've got it, that's great. We need to be moving out and we need to be saying, my goodness, everybody around me needs to hear about this gift. They're not all going to take it, but we want to let them know how amazing it is and let them choose what they're going to do with it. As we think about sharing our faith, um, one of the things that we are passionate about here at FBC is sharing our faith. And one of the things that we want to help you with is, is how do I share my faith? And let me tell you, it's tough. I've talked to a lot of people and, and, you know, it's like, you know, how do I bring this up in a conversation? And I'm the one asking that question. How do I do this? I, I, I want to have these opportunities, but I'm not sure how do I transition the conversation? How is it that I, that I make this a spiritual uh, a conversation with somebody? How is it that I get to share my faith? And, 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 and there is a course that we're going to be offering here uh, starting October 2nd in the 11 o'clock service. It's called Talking Jesus. And it's a six-week course, and it's just going to give you the, the opportunity to learn some things. Learn that actually more people are anxious to hear about Jesus than we think. Learn that as we talk to people, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can just be natural. It comes out of our own life and the fact that we know Christ as Savior. And so I would encourage you, you know, uh, to, to take that course in. Starts October 2nd, 11 o'clock. It'll be in the Fireside Room. If you're interested, let us know. Jenna's made up some amazing booklets uh, for us to use, but um, we want to make sure we have enough booklets for everybody. And so uh, if you uh, let us know at the church office, we'll make sure we have enough books printed. Again, it's a a six-week course, and I think it's going to be a a great uh, course to just help us as we think about sharing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So song number one, I've got Friends in Low Places. Song number two uh, was Start Me Up. And the third one, and I struggled with this one, Ephesians uh, chapter two ten says this, for he, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is about living out our faith, and I had a couple of songs running through my head. I was thinking maybe House of Pains, um, Jump Around. You know, uh, I thought that would be a good one. People pay attention if you're jumping around a little bit. Draw attention to yourself. But then I thought also of Journey's Don't Stop Believing." Alright, and that's the one I want to key in on today, is understanding that we are Christ's workmanship. That he is working in us for the rest of our lives to bring out God's character and nature so that other people can see him in us. This summer we had the privilege of being uh, taken to the Royal Terrell Museum in, in, near Drumheller. And uh, that's an amazing place if you've, if you've not been there, it's pretty cool to visit Lots of amazing fossils, and realizing that so many of them were found in Alberta was pretty cool. But there's this one display that, um, actually we took our in-laws there as well, and so there's, sometimes there's a person sitting at that display, sometimes there's a video of that display. And what that display is, is somebody working on a fossil. This tiny little little piece of rock is the girl that had it when we were near there summer, and she's got this magnifying glass, and she's got this little itty-bitty tool and a, and a brush, and she is scraping away, bit by bit, stuff that isn't part of the fossil. And she'll scrape, and she'll brush it away, and she looked like she was enjoying it, all right? Man, I'm telling you, I watched that for like 30 seconds. I was like, nope, you know, that's really cool, but that's just not for me, right? But the cool part is this, guys, is, is you know, she did enjoy that job. She was excited about the finished project, or she seemed it anyway. God is so excited about transforming us. God is so excited about scraping away that old remnant of sin and revealing more and more of his character in and through us. You know, and, and, and don't stop believing because sometimes, guys, we get this feeling that maybe, you know, hey, we're just not progressing, we're just not growing. Sometimes it's like, boom, you know, we just have these, these great moments where it's like, pfft, I'm just growing in God and it's amazing, you know? But oftentimes, guys, it's God just taking that really fine tool Just scraping away some of those, maybe just making us a little bit more gentle with other people. Just scraping it a little away, and and it's it's a process. But it's a process that he is willing to do in and through us. He is willing to scrape away if we're willing to let him. He's willing to brush away the remnants of that sin so that we can reflect him more and more each and every day. Here it says that, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in, and I was thinking, how do we, how do we know what God wants us to do? And this, this Friday morning, I was reading Psalm 119, and it was just reminded of how precious God's word is, how important it is that we read God's word so that we can know those things that God wants us to do. Psalm 119, nine through 16, it says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. As we think about being the just and people who are active and living out our faith, um, we're kind of like, how do, we, how do we live this out? We need to be reading God's word. We need to be taking in God's word on a regular basis. You might be a reader and you might think, oh man, it's no problem for me to read five, 10, 15 chapters of God's word a day. Other people are like, man, if I could get two verses in today, that's great. You know, but we just need to be taking in God's word. If you're just not a reader, you know, we got this amazing, you know, smartphones now, we can have our, our, the Bible read to us even as we're driving in the car. Just be regularly taking in God's word so that we know what these good works are that he, would requ- that he requires of us as his workmanship. But as we just leave here today, let me give you three ways that we can show that we are Christ's workmanship. And because as being his workmanship, we are living out his character and nature. I just wanna look at those three pieces of God's nature that we saw in Ephesians chapter two. God's mercy, his love, and his grace. And so this week, as you go about your lives, look for people who are in need. Look for people that are suffering, and don't just pity them, step in and intervene. Take somebody out for a coffee that you know has been hurting and just needs somebody to talk to. Buy a meal for somebody if you know that they're in need. Look for the ways to see a need and then intervene. Be merciful as God has been merciful to us. Second, look for ways to show his love. And again, if you just think of 1 Corinthians 13, this could be found in just being more patient with other people. Maybe it could be going the extra mile. You know, love is not rude. Go the extra mile to be polite. Really care for the people around you, um, whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're in the store, wherever. Just make sure that that genuine politeness, that love of God comes out. And maybe it just comes to setting your preferences aside and not watching football and watching home and garden TV. You know, something along those lines. Setting aside your preferences so that somebody else can get what they would like to do. Show love this week. And finally, look for that opportunity to be, to be gracious. You know, just buy the coworkers, you know, coffee this week. You know, just do something just out of the, out of the ordinary. Just to go, you know what? This wasn't earned. This wasn't something that that we've worked towards to get. It's just an act of kindness, something that that isn't deserved. And so, guys, as we close today, as we think about the just do it, you know, as you think about today, the the just, we get to rejoice in the gospel because we were born in sin. Friends in low places, we were separated from him, dead in our trespasses and sins. And then he made us alive. He did start us up. He made us alive in Christ through our faith in him. And he wants us to keep believing that he is working in and through us to show other people what he is like. This morning, if you're here and you've not been made alive in Jesus Christ, if you've not placed your faith and trust in him and you're wondering, what is that all about? Please see me, please see anybody with a volunteer shirt and they will point you in the direction of somebody uh, who'd love to chat with you and just to say, hey, this is how you move from death to life and this is how you can be assured that you have all of these amazing spiritual blessings that we see here in the book of Ephesians. Let's pray together. Father, I just wanna thank you for today thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the gospel, the good news that you cared enough about us to to love us, to to send your son to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I pray that we would never become arrogant in that, that we would never become convinced that uh, we have achieved this somehow on our own. Lord, I just wanna pray that you would just help us to always appreciate what you have done through us and be constantly looking to point other people to you. I just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week, and for those of you again online, thank you very much for being with us. Have a great week, guys. Hope to see you next Sunday.